where we started this uh, morale dealing with the Brysa where Rebeleza becomes fatally ill his students approach him and they ask him to teach them the ways of life which will bring them to Olam Haba when we introduce this Maral, we discuss the idea of Olam Haba is not as some people naively think a period of time which begins at a certain moment in history rather Olam Haba is a defined a defining manner in which we live our lives right here and now. A person can live his life in a fashion that what he does and how he behaves is locked into the parameters of space and time. Or a person can live his life in a timeless fashion. In a way that what he does doesn't become isolated in space and time but extends beyond them. The difference between those two or the way that the two of these different types of lifestyle are expressed is by the intent and meaning invested in the act that you perform. If a person performs an act that the cause of the act, the stimulus of the act is based on the narrow parameters of the physical world, so the act will come to an end. If a person eats because he's hungry, so when the hunger is satiated and the nutrients are absorbed into his body and eventually they'll be exhausted, so that act became closed in space and time, in the place that he ate it and in the amount of time that it took for him to eat, digest and, and uh, integrate the food. And therefore that act existed, it was a part of history, but it came, came it had its glory and then it disappeared. It has no, no long-term effect, it doesn't exist beyond that moment. Whereas, if a person takes that same act, but his cause and effect is very different. He eats not in order to satiate his hunger, but he eats in a manner as a, as a mechanism of creating a handle to something which is above the world, above the physical world. He uses it as a way of attaching himself to the spiritual world, which would mean that He's eating, let's take for example an apple. His eating of this apple is a way of using his taste buds and his sense of satiation as a mechanism of connection to Hashem's kindness. How do I experience Hashem's kindness? Hashem's kindness is, is an is a, is a isolated ethereal concept. But I want to experience it. How do I experience it? So by focusing my attention before I bite into the apple on w from where the apple came and the apple is a created entity and the creator created in order and fitted, made it um, appropriate, made it um, suitable to my taste buds and digestive organs in such a way that by biting into this apple I will have an experience which is pleasurable and nutritious. And he did that in order to show his kindness and care for me. So when I bite into that apple, I connect to the notion of the Creator's kindness. Now the Creator's kindness is a fact. It's a truth. So the act becomes a manifestation and therefore it doesn't become limited in space and time. It becomes a way of accessing something which is unlimited, which is not bound by anything which is, which is physical, but it's expressed through things which are physical. So really what I'm doing is I'm using the physical activities as a mechanism of catapulting myself to a different universe. When I do that, that's called living in Olam Haba.
even though I'm living on this earthly soil. But essentially, my life doesn't come to an end. My life continues because the acts that I perform within that life aren't limited. They're just expressed through the tools of physicality. They're not limited by them. Is that, is that idea roughly clear for, for this, for this uh, assembled set of glum-looking people who are being slowly anesthetized by the extreme heat and that's why we've taken the decision to open up and get some <laughs> fresh air even though it could be that your intention is to slip into some type of somnambulist state I will go out of my way to prevent that from happening <coughs> firstly by opening up the door and creating huge gusts of cold air to enter into the room and by fluctuating my tone of voice and by throwing things at culprits who do side, decide to drop off Understood. <coughs> Gary. Um, can I just clarify? Sure. Yeah, you said that Allah isn't sitting before like a jury of, of Hashem and saying you all good or you're dying. You said that. I didn't say that. Oh, uh, no. I thought you said last, last week that it's not to be seen as that concept rather it's Olam Habba is, 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 is it's a mistake to think that you live your life in this world and then you die and then your soul is suspended in what's called Olam Neshamas and then there's Yom Dina Godel and then you judged and then you decided should you get eternal life or shouldn't you? Even though that, 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 that timeline can be expressed but that's missing the point. The point is that when you live your life in, in this world in a way that your actions are eternal then you have an eternal existence. And when you live your life in this world where your actions are limited by space and time, you don't. So the judgment is dis defining, is describing what you did in your lifetime. That's the point of time when it becomes realized. Now the amazing thing is, this is what the Ramchal writes, the amazing thing is, what happened to people that, what happens to us when we botch it in our lifetimes? It's quite common. If you mess it up, we don't do it. So we go through a lifetime and we, we live life where the cause and effect that we primarily respond to is locked into the physical world. So it means we've really got nothing to give us eternity. So we're in trouble. So now that's where there's, 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 there's a spiritual process whereby the acts that we did that do have a deeper dimension to them are distilled from the rest of our being. That process of distillation is known as Gehenim. From one of Hashem's attributes is that of kindness, and He found a way of saving, as it were, people that have made the wrong choice in their life to a limited degree. He couldn't rewrite history because that would pervert justice and that would defeat the purpose of creation that people have to earn their own keep. But to the degree that He can, He tries to be able to save every single individual so that He'll have some connection to Olam Haba. That's called the Chesed of Gehenna. Which other people translate as hell. But that's what it is. It's coming, confronting what you did with your life. It's a brutal confrontation of what, where, where was I in life. And that pain is a, is, is a refinement process which allows the good part of yourself to be purified and to come out. But that can be distilled. But you can't, you can't add on something that wasn't there to begin with. That's why in a certain way there are those that say that positive commandments, even though the consequences in terms of the earthly court are not nearly as severe as negative ones, are in fact more severe. Because you can always undo what you've done wrong, but you can't do what you didn't do. 
And that's why the Gemara says when people um, don't act out, don't fulfill their potential, so then that's, that's lost. When people make mistakes, you can undo mistakes, but you can't actualize something which wasn't actualized. So actually becoming yourself through the mitzvahs is a, in a way, a much more powerful connection to Elam Haba, or they're not. Alex. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't even fill his full potential. You're okay, Alex. You're okay. Don't worry. You're doing great. Okay. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, so we're, we're always going to have that. I mean, well, what does it mean Moshe Rabbeinu didn't fill his potential? It's, it's interesting. Did Moshe Rabbeinu fulfill his potential or not? W- w- why do you say he didn't? You, we, we, there's, I heard that when uh, he needed help uh, with, like, sages, uh, he needed, like, because he was poskening everything and telling everybody, Hashem took some of his spiritual essence and, like, put it on other people, and it was so great that it didn't even deplete from him, so meaning that he, he had so much he had so much to give to where he wasn't losing anything, which means that he still... Um, he, since he didn't deplete, that means he still had um, stuff to give forth to where it wouldn't take away from him. Right. Yeah, so I mean, so it means he had like an extra. Uh, let, let's focus on your question. Your question isn't about Moshe Rabbeinu. Whether Moshe Rabbeinu completed himself or not, what you're trying to say is that it seems so unfair. No, it, it uh, just seems impossible. Impossible. That's unfair. So oh, it's, 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 it's unfair to ask me to do the impossible. No? Yeah. Yeah, How can Hashem say to me, I want you to be perfect, and you can't? Even the greatest, greatest tzaddikim, let's say, never reach perfection, and now you want that from me? You're going to show them, that's not fair. And I'm going to be held accountable for it? Okay, that, that's a question. That, 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 that's a very important question. It's a very important question because it focuses on the essence of Judaism, whereby Judaism demands greatness. And demands greatness in an extreme kind of way. It doesn't, it doesn't call on people to be good. It calls on people to be excellent. It doesn't call on people to not to be relatively okay most of the time. It calls on people to be perfect. Now that's unrealistic because people are not perfect. So I think we also have to differentiate between <coughs> the demand to be perfection and perfection itself. We may never become perfect, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't be demanded to become perfect. I'll give you a bad analogy, but I think it will just serve to open up your mind in the right direction. Um, the whole uh, this is something which is an unfinished idea that I'm delving into but it came about through a discussion that we had on Shabbos in regard to how native people conquer, how native people cope with adjusting their culture to foreign invasion so it became, it's, a, it's a major major it's a major topic of discussion in Africa, in Australia, in North America, in South America, where there were indigenous tribes, and then you had this like foreign conquering power that came in there with a completely different culture, a set of mores and values, imposed their culture on the native population, and then what happened to the native culture? So obviously, I don't want to oversimplify things, and there's thousands of contributing factors. But what is interesting is, seemingly, in the new world, the native, scu- the native cultures struggle to survive. Because the native cultures seem to have revolved around a world which had a certain format to, to it. And when that format was changed, so there was a struggle to, 
find a redefinition. For example, take the Aborigines in Australia, where a lot of their culture focused around, let's say, hunting and meditation and walking in the desert. Now, what do you do when you're born in a city with that kind of culture? You can't adjust it. It doesn't allow itself to be adjusted. Native Americans, I don't know that, that much about them, but I understand that a lot of their culture focused around hunting and about things which, when you're getting your meat from a freezer, it's not the same as, as chasing a bison. So, I mean, obviously it depends on how aggressive your freezer guard is. But <laughs> the pashtas, it's not the same. So how do, you, how do you adjust that? How do you... Now, the fascinating thing about Judaism is it's, it was conquered. Not only was it conquered, it had a central focus of, of religion called the temple, and it was specifically orientated in a particular space. So now, there must be a struggle of maintaining a sense of your values in your own country when it's conquered. But the chance of you being able to keep any semblance of what you are, were when you are conquered, the focal point of your religion is lied waste, and then you exile to completely foreign cultures, which are extremely dominant and restricting in terms of what you can do, and then you can survive. It's absolutely impossible. It just doesn't work. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. You following me? Because there's, there's no real... There should be no real mechanism of survival unless the thing that you have is so sophisticated that can adapt to every area, every culture, and when half of the body is missing. Half of the body of mitzvahs is vacant from mitzvahs. So that in itself should make the whole structure collapse. For, for a body to exist with only half its limbs functioning is in itself miraculous. To then take that body and put it amongst susceptible cultures and have it exist beyond that is, is nothing short of mind-blowing. It really is. And it's alive today, but it's 3,000 years old. Existing in exile for the last 2,000. 2,000 years of exile. No homeland, no national identity, no global meetings of all Jews. Those are isolated for thousands of years in this part of the world, and those are isolated for thousands of people. And then they reconnect, and everything's the same. And everything's just the same. It's astonishing. Now, how do you do that? I'll tell you one thing. If you aim at mediocrity, it's gone in second. You have to have a lot of people giving up a lot of their lives towards maintaining perfection. Then the whole system has. If you aim for perfection, you may achieve civilization. If you aim for civilization, the chances are you'll end up with anarchy. Meaning, there's two discussions over here. Can you be perfect or not? Then there's another discussion. Should you be demanded to be perfect? It could be that you can't be perfect, but the demand should be be perfect. Because the kind of person you'll produce who's striving to be perfect will be a completely different being. And the community that you'll produce and the nation that you'll produce when the, when the cry is Amam Leches in Vigoy Kadosh so the kind of excellence of being that will evolve will be in a different league. When the when, when, when your, your sages say to you that the definition in terms of morality, of theft, is when someone lends you his pencil to write a note and you decide to write another three letters. You're a thief. You stole that amount of letters. Ah, oh, come on. No, relax. No, what do you mean? 
when you have that kind of scrupulous attention to detail in every aspect of your life where you're seeking perfection, you say, no, the minute I transgress, one tiny molecule of that graphite at the end of the pencil that doesn't belong to me, I'm a thief, just like if I'd walk into a bank and hold it up. That kind of astonishing attention to detail means greatness. The way you define the difference between great, for example, artists is in the detail. Musicians is in the detail. When you get to a level of of professionalism, it's all in the details. When you don't have a level of professionalism, so then everything's the same. A person who doesn't have an ear for music, if he has it on this sound system, another sound system, this musician, another thing, doesn't pick it up. But when your ears are tuned, so the differences are vast. Greatness is in the details. And Jerusalem says, I want you to be perfect in every single detail. That's where, the, that's where it comes. Good? So I think that's something we have to realize. That, that both personally and collectively, we're striving for greatness. Mediocrity is a curse. It's a curse. Living life just being the normal guy on the block is a curse. And it's a curse which eats up inside of us because we have an intuition that we have to be great. And the only way we can survive life as being a mediocre person is through anesthetic. We have to anesthetize ourselves with different types of anesthetic applications we can use entertainment we can use drugs we can use alcohol we can use sports we can use philately if we so choose stamp collecting we can use ornithology if we so choose watching we can use sorry i've kind of run out of big words for small things <laughs> austin Precisely the point. Precisely the point. For example, for example, the guy that I saw driving in his 4x4 last night. I'm standing on the road, snow-covered road, doing what every other good Haredi Yushami does. You go into the snow and you look to play. <laughs> you are beautifully adorned um, with, with plastic bags covering the insides of your shoes. Um, if you are wearing a hat, there will be some type of ghastly over stated again glaring colored paper bag upon your head as well covering your hat lest your hat get ruined um, and you go out into the street and there I am with my son admiring the snowfall and a big black 4x4 four four, um, pulls up and looks like he's lost next to me is standing a friend and he says he asks the 4 by 4 which way are you going and the person seems non-committal in terms of his direction which I find funny because generally when you drive you have a sense of direction um, and then in the course of the conversation it came out that he was driving around the neighborhood looking to see if he could help anyone do something he had a 4 by 4 lots of people didn't so he was mobile so maybe people needed you know a lot of trees had fallen down maybe they needed trees maybe people needed to go somewhere where they couldn't get to, so his 4x4 would help them, maybe the old people, there was a lot of, you know, if there were 2,000 people that were like rescued and put into the convention center, and there were 18 births over Shabbos in that same place, so that's, that means people needed help. 
hectic. Eh? <laughs> so, <laughs> so as a result, he he took something. Also, he took something which was, you know, in another context, it would just be a way of accentuating my ego by driving the car, which has got very big wheels. Like, which is, there's no need to do that when you're like driving on a normal paved road, which people drive on 90% of the time. And as you, but he he took that same kind of physical expansion, but he translated it into something which was which was great. So then, is it possible to live a life of greatness without spirituality? Uh, it's it's possible to live a life of greatness. It's not possible to live a life of greatness without some type of high ideal. Now, if you call it high ideal, spiritual or not, that's that that that's a discussion. You can't live a great life by being rooted into the physical world alone, because then the cause of effect, by its very nature, is a selfish and self-insulating perspective. For example, the people who are great people, you'll find, are people who transcended their own physical needs for others. Mandela, Nelson Mandela recently passed away. So he's held upon, held by the world to be a, a hero, a great man. Because he gave up his life for something bigger than himself. That's what makes him great. Because it means that his self extends beyond the narrow parameters of what am I having for breakfast, what am I having for supper, I'm making sure that I've got enough money and my insurance covers. Those are very small things to think about. The bigger you are, the more your self expands to a, a larger. So he was like, he, was, he, he literally saved millions of lives through his strength of character. But, you know, if he decided that one day he couldn't be bothered to wake up and he doesn't care, he's in a bad mood today, I'm not going to that doesn't work. You have to be so given over to others. So that means your own self becomes an irrelevant, essentially, component in this ideal that you're living for. But it's very difficult to find greatness with people that don't have something beyond themselves. You may have power, but not greatness. There are people who are corrupt and they're selfish and they, and they have tremendous power, but that's a very destructive power. But greatness is, comes with a bad, I think, but perforce comes with an ideal attached to it. So Judaism takes, says, you don't have to be a leader of a major emerging nation in order to have greatness. You can find greatness in your 4x4. Four four. You can find greatness in your cup of coffee. You can find something which is totally transcendent, totally beyond. You can find greatness in the way you say hello, or you encourage a exhausted student <laughs> by jolting him back into life through a series of bodily movements. You can do a lot of things. This is my role. So what was the advice that Rebbe Lezer gave to his students in order that they should both live this world and that this world should be a natural should lead naturally to the next? Amar Elohim He said to them I'll tell you how you do it. Be concerned about the honor of your friends. So here we are expecting Rebbe Lezer to respond with a three-page sermon on different aspects of Jewish knowledge. He does continue a little bit further, but for us the relevance is that the honor of your friend somehow is linked into eternal existence. It's something which is quite strange. You'd think that your relationships with others 
wouldn't be necessarily linked into your perspective of the eternal world. And then he says this word, Hizharu, be cautious. Bichvoid chavrechem, with the honor of your friends. So we're going to have to discuss a little bit what honor means. And what the sources in the Hebrew alphabet are for honor. Kovoid. 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 Kovoid is a very important thing. Kovoid. You have to be, your friend has to have kovoid. Kovoid. What does kovoid mean? Kovoid comes from the word kaveid. Kaveid means heavy. People around you, their beings have to have weight. They have to have bearing. They have to, they have to, they have to be important to you. It's one aspect of COVID. The one aspect of COVID is that the person, it's, they're not just, ugh, what does he know? That's called zilzu. That's a belittling, a lightening of, COVID is when, when a person, let's say, the way we experience COVID is if someone, okay, let's speak a little bit about COVID. COVID is always a dynamic in a relationship of a bottom-top dynamic. When I am mechabed something, it means that in relation to the thing I am mechabed, that I honor, I feel small and that thing feels big. Now that, that, that's a global concept, not, not, not located to a specific religious parameter. If I am mechabed a great surfer, it's because when I measure up my surfing skills to his, he excels beyond me. If I'm a way better surfer than him, I'm not going to be mechabed him. I'm not going to give him credence. I'm not going to give him weight because I'm so much better than him. I give people who are better than me credence. That's where COVID comes from. COVID comes from a realization of the distance between my being and their being. Wow. I put them on a pedestal. I look up to them. I realize they have something I do not have. So COVID is global. A person can have COVID for an artist. For a football player, in the English sense of the word. For a football player, in the American sense of the world. <laughs> yeah, Arizona! Go with the Red Bucks! <laughs> no, there aren't. There are, there are the Red Bucks. No, <laughs> that sounds great. That sounds great, eh? <laughs> like in Australia, you get like... I think uh, <laughs> they've got these funny names of streets like Waranaga and Wollongong and Warra Warra. Like they're based on. So I think I think my brother recently visited my sister and he made up a fictitious Aussie Rules football team to to support for my nieces and nephews. I think he called them the Dunarong Rats. Yeah, the, the rats. And then like he kind of made up war cries to support the rats. When a person. When a person has a, a sense of covet for something, it means that when you measure your own self in relation to that, and each person you'll find, in the area where you feel you're talented in, that's where you'll see the people that you're mechabed. Because the area that you are, that's uh, uh, illustrated by a verse. There's a verse in Mishlei, which says, um, something like, Kesef, the tsaruf the the ish mahaloloi. I don't think that's a correct quotation, but while the emergency vehicles go on their merry way, the 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 pasuk ends with the word which says the the idea of the pasuk is that 
silver is distilled in a furnace as is gold in order to get the dross out of silver the bad parts so you you burn it and then the the the, the pure the pure metal comes out same thing with gold you have to burn it to get off the what's called in hebrew the sigim the 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 bad parts of the metal and if you want to distill the essence of a person ishlafi mahalaloi according to his praise now the simple the simple description of ishlafi mahalaloi would mean that the way people praise others when you see the praises that are given to a person that's his essence but the rabbeinu yona and explained by rav Hutner says very differently it says, if you want to distill the essence of who a person is, see what he praises. Your heroes define what's important to you in life. One of the classic questions to ask in a job interview is, who are your heroes? If they say people like Al Capone, do not hire the man. <laughs> do not, do not. Robert Mugabe, he's my favorite political leader. Be careful, be careful. So, Ishlafi Mahalaloi, because when you praise someone, it describes something which is crucial to you. And of course, it describes that in relation to the thing I value, I see someone who has more of it than I do, and therefore, I feel small in relation to that. At this point in time, Yochanan shakes his head when he remembers all his heroes. Heroes like Yochanan, like, heroes like... Say, 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 it's, 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 it's such an open embracing atmosphere over here. Okay. Uh, heroes like... No, don't have heroes. No heroes. Okay. Or tell me a hero you've had. Um, I don't know, I was just thinking when you said somebody that you look up to, going to Rabbi Wasserman's house for Shabbos is something that's um, very special for me. I see that the way that his family interacts with each other. And on a certain level, like I said, it would not typically call that a hero, but someone that I would definitely look Fantastic. So that shows what your values are. That's a demonstration when you appreciate something, when you admire someone, shows your values. Dev, some of your heroes. Current or past? I like to have past ones, if I may. You like to have past Come ones? Come on. Let's tell her Again, that's problematic. You ain't getting no job at all. I'm tell her the hand. Really? Yeah. Oh, really? That's like no joke. No, it's no joke. <laughs> what was it about him that you admired? like his strength of character to go and maraud conquer wipe out <laughs> destroy to get the to get the title you know the scourge of god you've done something we have a lot to explore yes. <laughs> but the truth is i mean definitely something you're not sure of his courage <laughs> the very few people in the uh, everyone character was very different which is also reassuring but i mean think about it they've, they've, all these people in this room prob probably have heroes and probably none of them are as like as evil as Attila the Hun, <laughs> and yet none of them would have the guts to own up. And it's beautiful. Well done, Robert. It's protecting your identity. Um, <laughs> um, good, 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 good. So that's what covered is. So when you think about covered to your friend, so it must mean that when you relate to him, you feel there's something in him that you appreciate about yourself, yet when you see it in him, you feel humbled by his greatness. Be careful of the covenant friend. So we'll have to expand upon this. What does it mean? In other words, how can you say that as a general prerequisite? Surely there are people who, if I have a set of values, 
which will correspond to that person so that will be great if I meet a person who is a my my previous heroes previous heroes Ooh, could be too embarrassing no it's not important, my previous. I mean, <laughs> why is it a relevant point to the share? Phil, you saw something well, no, to spell that. We're supposed to our parents, because that's yes. in uh, yes, yes, yes. That means that we, the d- essence of ourselves, when we distill ourselves, just because we are praising our parents, which we're being forced to do, not because of its our own. Ah, one second, one second, one second, one second, one second. You're saying big words there. Eh? Words like we are forced to do, and it's not of our own choice. Ah, yeah, yeah, Phil, Phil. Rule number one. <laughs> Rule number one. Every single act that you do is because you're choosing to do it. Correct. Yes. Okay. So you're not forced to honor your parents. You choose to honor your parents. If you honor your parents, it's because you've made a choice to do so. Correct. Okay. So you're not forced to do it. Correct. You choose to honor your parents. Great. So now you say you choose. You, you've chosen to honor your parents, but what? But you don't want to honor them. <laughs> not saying you. But you don't want to honor them. So then you haven't chosen to honor them. What have you chosen to do? You've chosen to perhaps fulfill some sort of lip service or service which is a hollow action which when it would be directed with the right intention would be considered respectful. Okay, that's interesting. So what's that all about? In other words, let me rephrase your question. What happens, which is asking the question I was asking in a different way what happens when the people that you are asked to honor are not honorable can't find anything that's really important about yourself that you feel that they have which you can then value in them and therefore the whole emotion of COVID doesn't exist again we said COVID is a reality it's not something you can manufacture if a person comes and I happen to be a master calligrapher and I see a person who is not only not good at calligraphy, but he thinks he is and he's just got messy handwriting. So I can't be mechabed him. He's a schmunzka. <laughs> That's a problem. Do you want a resolution on the spot or would you like to live with it and develop it and grow with it? I think you would. Good. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you. High understanding of the notion of education. Um, one more question also and then we're going to have to break for Mincha. I think Good, good. That's already. That's, we'll we'll discuss it further. Good. That's already a, a way out of the problem. But in the meantime, gentlemen, thank you for your rapt attention and your awakefulness, which I think is due largely to the fact that the freezing temperature has kept you all alert.